So you got your Bibles ready? You can open them anywhere because we're going to go everywhere. I think. But I, I just wanted to encourage you. God is busy. God is good. God is doing stuff. Amen. And um, really interesting, I saw it on somebody's post that 2020 is the year when positive was a negative. <laughs> because if you tested positive, <laughs> it's a negative. You know what I'm saying? So 2020 is the only year, you know, but there has been. But one of the things that I wanted to just share with you is um, I want you just to keep testing positive. I want you to keep testing positive. So understand what I'm saying. I need you to keep testing positive as far as life is concerned. Yanni was just sharing with me. Somebody sent a clip where a preacher was talking about how isn't it amazing that the COVID-19 virus is invisible and everybody listens to what scientists and doctors and you say and you change your entire life based on something that you cannot see by the report of others. But by the same token, God is invisible. But yet we don't change our lives, you know, unless you're in ACF, you know. But if you're in ACF, God is invisible. We take him at his word. We listen to reports, and we should be changing our lives. Isn't it amazing? An invisible thing can invoke so much fear, but God is invisible to many is not invoking faith. And we need to adjust. So this morning, I want you all to test positive. Amen? And uh, so it's just very interesting that... As we go through scriptures, but the Lord started to speak to me yesterday morning, and I want to share this with you this morning and those watching via live stream, is that this COVID thing that has come is a test in itself for many. And, and we need to be reaction and in response constantly testing positive. Tests come. And I often say this, is that God more often than not is not the originator of the test. Very often, the test is just because of life, the world we live in. And it comes, but God allows it to come in the sense that He doesn't stop it coming. But, you know, sometimes it's as a result of evil people. It's sometimes as a result of good people who are acting out of ignorance. Sometimes it's us acting out of, you know, foolishness and not in wisdom. But tests come, however they come. Is that right? But one of the things that God does, in the sense of Him allowing it, He allows us to face it. He allows us to go through it. And then He turns it into something or He can make the most of. Now, I want you to understand that the basic point from which God comes, in the old days, teachers set tests to see if they could fail you. And it's a different mindset today, of course. But now, you know, tests are set to assess in other words, to determine, you know, your level of knowledge or competency or whatever. So it comes from a different point. Now, God allows us to go through tests. And um, the interesting thing is when a school teacher sets a test, it tells the teacher something, you know, that the teacher didn't know. But when God sets a test for us, it doesn't tell him anything that he doesn't already know about us. I mean, he really knows exactly where we are. Isn't that right? So the whole purpose of the test that we go through and we face is for the Lord to, through those things, reveal something about ourselves to ourselves, to us. Isn't that right? And it's for us to see. And it's not from a negative stance. It's not for God to judge us. It's not for God to condemn us. It's not for God to banish us to hell or anything like that. It's a test to reveal what we have not, where we are, and where we shouldn't be, and then to come through it and to face the thing with the Lord. Is that okay? But the Bible talks about, you know, 
tests coming as from God, in the sense that he allows it. Is that right? It's the same when Jesus said, you know, offenses will come. He's not the originator. He doesn't um, originate offenses. But he says they will come. Woe to them through whom they will come, but they will come. So in other words, you're going to face things. Is that okay? So everybody, let's just settle in our mind. Stuff's going to happen, okay? It's going to come. And if they're going to come, and every time they come, it's in the form of a test because it will reveal what we have, a, or in the negative, it will reveal what we do not have. So praise God for tests. Amen. And what we need to do is to respond in a way without beating ourselves up, pick ourselves up, make an adjustment, change the default. Amen. And so we need to do something. I love, you know, tests are diagnostic, the proficiency tests, objective, subjective, there's all kinds of tests that happens. But when you test something, it is to prove it by trial. Everybody say, prove it by trial. And I don't think there's anybody sitting here, and I don't think there's anybody watching by a live stream that has never been through a trial that has tested you. But the awesome thing is you're here. You're sitting here. Woo! You came through it. Is that okay? And so even our failures, we need to turn into stepping stones, and we need to move on. So a teacher tests the quality of learning by the trial, the trial of a written or oral test. A goldsmith or a silversmith would prove the quality of his metal by the trial of fire. And so, you know, whenever we go through something, God is testing the quality of our faith by the trial of the fire of the trial. And the purpose is that when we come out of it, we have a faith that is refined, a faith that is pure, and a faith that will stand up to anything. Amen? You know, one of the things that we've got to understand is that, and I've mentioned it in the last few weeks, but I'm coming with a slightly different tack this morning, and that is God doesn't set you up for failure. He's setting you up for success. When God looks at you, He sees the finished product. And that's what Paul talks about in Romans 8. Those whom He foreknew, He predestined. Those He predestined, He called. Those He called, He justified. Those He justified, He glorified. He said to be conformed to the image of the Son. So as far as God is concerned, from before you even got saved, He had made the provision, and His eye is on the finished product. He's looking at glorified. Is that all right? As if you're already finished and you're conformed to the image of Jesus. So in the meantime, you know, we go through these little things and there's hiccups. And sometimes, yes, we fail, but we need to just pick ourselves up again and move on. Because then what the Lord does, He says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do a refresher. We're going to do a reminder. And we're going to take you around that same mountain. We're going to take you to that same bitter pool. And this time you're going to pass the test because I'm looking at glorified. Amen? And so we get through you know, we come to that place. I like, uh, it's Audi, and there's people in this church that love Audi. And their motto is, Vorsprung der Technik. That's the advantage through technology, you know. And the whole reason why we go through these things is because God wants to give you the advantage. Amen. So we are advantaged people. Isn't that right? So when you go through a test, don't feel disadvantaged. When you go through a test, feel privileged. Paul tells it like this, that God disciples, God trains, God disciplines those whom He loves because He's treating you as sons. Amen. Is that okay? And he says, because if you're not discipled, if you're not trained, if you're not disciplined, if you're not tested, then I'm treating you as illegitimate children, people that I don't love. But because I love you, I need to train you. I'm sure that's in Hebrews chapter 12. I like it. I was just looking at different mottos. And Gore-Tex 
the company Gore-Tex. These are free adverts. You can, Audi and Gore-Tex, you can give me royalties for this, please. But Gore-Tex make, you know, like winter jackets and raincoats and things like this. And it's a specific fiber that breathes, but yet it's water repellent. They're really amazing, you know, Gore-Tex fishing jackets. So you can kind of stand in the rain and you won't build up sweat because your body heat and the moisture goes through, but the water doesn't penetrate from the outside. Now, it's amazing. Do you know what their motto is? Tested for life. So I'm going to say it again. Tested for life. So when we go through tests, what is God testing you for? Come on, everybody. He's testing us for life. Amen. Because he's taking us onto life and life more abundantly. Because he has got life for us. And there's many scriptures, and I've got to rush because we've got to get through it. So life tests come. In other words, God tests us. So it's very interesting there's an opportunity for everything. Now, you know, and I'm saying this with great sensitivity. There are people that are coming because they're being cautious. There are people that are not coming to church because they're being sensitive. But it's amazing. There's a few that are testing negative. You know, I go onto their Facebook profile and things like I send a message and say, hey, I'm missing you from church. They answer everybody's message except mine. You know, so I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It's days, it's going into weeks. You know, and it's like, and you see that they've read all the others because last scene, last scene, last scene, and there's my text still hasn't gone through. Because I'm saying, hey, I'm missing you, missing you from church. When are we going to see you? You know, so they, you know, it's like I had an Alsatian when I was a little boy, and then I used to play with this dog, and then he would go and hide away from me. And you would find um, some grass about that high. The grass was, it was like blades of grass standing up. And he runs and he hides behind it and he puts his nose by the grass. And it's just hiding these and he closes his eyes and he thinks that I can't see him. <laughs> you know, and that's how we would play hide and seek. And there's, you know, unfortunately some people testing negative, they're playing hide and seek with the pastor. You need to change your status because on the status they're partying and seeing their friends and well, just, you know, let's just move on because those people are not here today, you know. And so, and so, you know, but when the tests come, what is our response? When the tests come, what is this? You know, it always amazes me, and I'm saying this, and it doesn't include you because you're here, and it's like, you know, they're under stress, and they're under pressure, and they can't do their ministries in the church anymore, and they can't come to church because they're so stressed. But then you hear they're going out and having coffee, and you see them in the restaurants, and they're going to the shops, and I'm going like, and the thing that you cut out is church. Yeah, you know, it's uh, Martin Luther said this, the original Martin Luther. He said this, when the work used to pile up, he would say, hmm, the work's piling up. I need to make more time to pray. And so, you know, it's things that we set as priorities, you know. So when tests come, they reveal something. So I'm not knocking people, but as the pastor of this church, because I'm concerned about their spiritual well-being, I need to say something. Because maybe they're not even aware of how they're responding in a time that is potentially a test time, and they're testing negative instead of testing positive. It's like when things are tough, why do we run away from God? Why do we run away from church? I mean, that's the craziest thing. A place of life, you know, a source of life, a place where we can come and be encouraged and built up, sit in the corporate anointing. Let's test positive. Amen. Let's test positive. Hallelujah. So there's a a guy by the name of A.B. Simpson. This is old-fashioned English. He says this, You will have no test of faith that will not fit you to be a blessing if you are open to being obedient to the Lord. Listen to what he says. I never have had a trial, 
But when I get out of that deep river, I find some poor other pilgrim on the bank that I was able to help immediately by reason of that very experience. Come on, when you've been through it, you can identify with others, isn't it? You know, somebody the other day was just talking about, uh, telling me about the the father-in-law and um, how it's been really tough. You know, he's hitting 90 and I mean, he still looks good and everything like this, but every now and then he goes through a wobble and he's convinced he's going to die. And so then he'll tell them, you know, you know, you can't go away and they've canceled many trips and, you know, and, and things like this and, and uh, say, just please, you know, I need to pay this account and this account, but I think I'm going to die. And they go, like, no, you're going to be okay. But no, he's, he's convinced he's going to die. And so they've had to tell him, just get a grip, you get, you're okay, you know? But, you know, when they told me the story, there was a side of me that had extreme compassion for this man because I've been there. I know that feeling twice in my life, nearly the enemy nearly took me out, but I've been there where I feel like my life is going, where I'm convinced that my life is going. Fortunately, I've got a wife who um, speaks the truth in love, and uh, I mean, the one time I was convinced I was dying, so I'm making all these financial plans for her, you know, and I said, I mean, you must go into the garage and get all the, my woodwork tools out, and let's start advertising, and you put the money in the bank. She's going like, what on earth for? I'm not selling your tools. No, you need to do it and put the money in the bank because I was convinced that I'm not going to see the light of day, you know. And, uh, you know, so, so rather let's just sell them and put the money in the bank and things like this. What on earth are you talking about? At the height of it, I'm sitting there and I can't do it anymore. And I'm sitting there, I'm going like, I can't do this anymore. I'm finished. I've had it. You know, and, and I, I can't go through this day and then tonight and then wake up tomorrow and this morning. Same thing. She says, well, what choice do you have? Seriously, seriously, but I needed that, you know, I needed that. It was a rack marker, you know, it was just an attitude adjustment, you know. And so, and so come on, test positive, test positive, John. <laughs> what choice do you have? You, you only have one choice, and that is to live. I'll go, okay, okay. <laughs> but I could identify with that person because of the stream I had been in. And so tests, uh, tests are really important. And then it says, you know, It's a fact that as a believer following God, we will be tested. In the time of testing, he's testing the quality of our faith, of our understanding, our performance even, by putting us into test situations. So listen to what 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4 says, and I'm not sure what translation it is in. It could be the Living Bible, I'm not sure. He says, be assured that when we speak to you, this is Paul saying to the Thessalonians, we're not after crowd approval, only God approval. Since we've been put through that battery of tests, you're guaranteed that both we and the message are free of error, mixed motives, or hidden agendas. You see, when you put through a battery of tests, God deals with things in your heart. Amen? And um, so he needs to reveal things to us. I love First Peter 4, 12 to 19. We're going to read it possibly, I think it's in the NIV translation. And um, I've preached a message where very much strongly about no judgment from verse 17, and it's correct. But if we just use these verses, the context is trials. Everybody say trials. In God's mind, as far as the word is concerned, trials are testings. Everybody say trials are testings. So COVID is a trial. So therefore it's a test. 
or it's a testing. So whatever trial you go through. So listen to, let's change it to the NIV. I like that, friends, when life gets really difficult. But anyway, 4 verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful what? Trial. Change the word to what? Test. The painful test you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. So Peter's going like, what are you whinging about? Don't you know that this is part of the deal? All right, so let's go on to verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed, so that you are participating in His sufferings because He came and He left us an example because He suffered. So when He suffered, after suffering was the glory. Is that okay? And so on a lesser scale, we're not giving our lives to die for people's sins, which Jesus did, but He was saying, you got to understand that there's a process and there's a trial. You live in a world and there's things that you're going to have to face and that world is against you. But I want you to understand that when those trials come, you need to look at Jesus and see the way He responded to trials. And you need to have this mind amongst you that this is a test. But when you get through the test, there's another measure of glory that is going to be revealed. Is that okay? And it's not the trial as much as your response in the trial. Because if it was just suffering, well, the whole world would look like Jesus. No, no, no. It's our response. It's our application of the Word in the face of that brings the glory. Is that okay? And then let's go on to verse 14. He says, if you are insulted, and not just called names, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Listen to this. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Woo. Amen. Come on. You are at a level of glory now because of things that you've faced in the past and you've come through it standing and having done all you stood. Amen. You have a different level of glory now than before. You have a different level of maturity, a different level of revelation of Jesus, a different level of understanding. Let me tell you, you've got a different level of faith. When you just started out as a Christian and you faced a trial and you believed God, it felt more like fear. You know, when you were standing and it felt like you were doubting more than believing. You know, you were fearing more than faithing. But then you got through. Now, years later, you've been through multiplied occasions like that. And now when you stand and face the same thing, there's a genuine peace. There's a genuine faith. There's a genuine rest and assurance in your heart. We're going to get through this. Because your faith has an established testimony. So now the spirit of glory rests upon you. So first Peter, verse 15. So he says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. Or even as a meddler. In other words, if there's a reaction from the world against you negatively, it mustn't be because you're not living right as a believer. It must be as a result of that you are living the life. Okay? Verse 16. He says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, for being a Christian, not being a nosy parker, not being a Bible puncher, not being a, you know, a whatever, you know, late for work and, you know, taking advantage, you know, oh, you Christians, and then go, I'm being persecuted for righteousness. No, you're being persecuted because you're lazy and you're late. Okay? But for being a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name of being a Christian. Woo-hoo! Okay? So there's the attitude in it. Okay, verse 17. So here it is. For it is time 
And we're going to hold this verse here for a little bit. For judgment to begin with the family of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, I looked up that word in the Greek, and uh, I still don't understand it. No, I mean, I looked it up in the Greek, and that word judgment is not a negative judgment. What it is, is actually a test with a view to us passing that God sets. Is that okay? And so it's one of the shades of meaning, which you then, when you put it in its context, that's what it means in its context, okay? So in other words, you could basically say, because if you look at the context, it's all about trials and testing. So you could say, for it is time for the test to begin, or it is time for the trial to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of the world? So the whole thing that Peter's looking at when he's talking to the believers over there, he's saying, there is a God, there are principles of the word, and there's an alternate society living in this world that the world is looking at to see if your lives are truly different. And they will respond differently to the way you respond in the same set of circumstances. That then is the judgment God is separating believers and unbelievers by showing how believers react in negative times. And so he's saying, so it's time for this test. It's time for this trial to begin with the family of God. And what God's doing is doing a separating work. But for you, it's a trial that he's putting you through or allowing you to go through with a determined outcome because he's got such confidence you're going to come through it. Okay? So verse 18. And uh, he says, And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become for the ungodly and the sinner? He's quoting from the Old Testament. Verse 19. So then those who are suffering according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So it's according to whose will? God's will. So God is the author then. So when you're going through it, you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to commit myself to you, and I'm going to continue to do good. I'm not going to go, oh, I can't come to church now, and and I'm going to quit my ministry because the place is too good, and oh, I don't want to risk the virus at church. I would rather risk it shopping in the mall. I would rather risk it at a restaurant or a coffee shop, because there I won't get infected, but in church... Never mind. Let's, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on. So in other words, we should commit ourselves to our faithful creator and continue to do good. What is the good things? All the righteous things. All the godly things. We continue to do those things. Isn't that right? It's like, oh, well, everybody's doing it now, so I might as well do it too. Everybody's stealing. Everybody's sinning. Everybody drives through stop streets. So why should I? Everybody. If you stop complaining when you are in a trial, you run the risk of growing spiritually. (laughs) If you stop complaining when you're in a trial, you run the risk of growing spiritually. That's a good point. Hallelujah. Are you getting something? So the judgment is a severe trial which would determine character, i.e., that would establish the question of your religion and lifestyle. The results of tests. Let's just talk about it quickly. Yesterday morning I was up, I was just praying, and the Lord just gave me these five things, just came, tung, 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 and then I knew what to preach. So number one, the results of a test is a proven life. I love Romans chapter 5 from verses 1 to 5 in the King James translation. 
I love this. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Romans 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. When you're right with God, you've got peace with God. Okay? That's the first thing that happened when you got saved. Peace with God. Because you're not an enemy anymore of God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we now stand. And we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Isn't it awesome? It's really awesome. There's just a in between, verse 3. And he says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, which are what? Tests. Can I have an amen? All right. So we're rejoicing in the hope of the glory of God. But in the meantime, between now and in this world and in this life, there's going to be things called tribulations. It's going to be called trials. It's going to be called temptations. It's going to be called testings. So if you're not sure about it, go and ask Abraham about his tests. Go and ask Joseph about his tests. When he said, sun, moon, and stars bowing down before you. The sheaves, 12 sheaves bowing down before you. Oh, really? One day we're going to bow down and worship you, you little snot squid? You know? So where did he go? He got sold into slavery. First in a pit, sold into slavery. Then into part of his house. Then into jail. I was something, 17 years or 27 years or some, some ridiculous length of time. The Bible says, you know, his feet in shackles of iron and the word of the Lord tested him. Tested him. Come on, test it. What do you say? Tested. The word of the Lord tested you. So, I mean, we're all at the front and the prophet's here and he gives you a prophet. Woohoo, hallelujah. He gives you a prophecy. Hallelujah. Fall on the floor. Yeah, hallelujah. Immediately the chains come on and God says, all right, let's start testing you for that glory. Amen. <laughs> It's funny, we had such a laugh yesterday. Kevin was teasing Eli, and Eli's at that smart mouth stage, you know, and uh, where he's, he's more clever than his size. But um, um, so every night, Amy puts Eli to bed, and then she sings to him. So because the one night, Kevin decided to put Eli to bed and sing to him, and he starts singing one of the little songs, and then Eli asks him to please stop singing. <laughs> And that's what happens when I try to sing to my kids as well. Please don't sing that. And, uh, you know, the song doesn't sound like that at all. I remember it was little when Ryan always used to correct me. No, Dad. It goes like this. Dee, 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 dee. And it was like, because I'm tone deaf, you know. So now this little boy is correcting me and telling me how the tune goes. Anyway, so now Kevin's playing a game with Eli. And he says, um, Eli, please, please can I put you to bed tonight? No, no, Mom's going to put me to bed. Eli, Please. Oh, Dad, stop crying like a little baby. Like, okay. You know? So, yeah. Anyways, stop crying like a little baby. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh. Why would you need patience? Because you're going to get it. You're going to get the goal. Just be patient. The next thing, I love this, and patience <sighs> and experience. So that word experience, do you know what it means? Proven. It will result in a proven life, proven character. A person can't brag about the fact that, you know, I don't steal if you've never been tempted to steal. 
you've never had an opportunity to steal. You can't brag about character if it's never been tested. And the whole thing about testings is that God wants proven character. When you've been through it and you've stood the tribulation and you've stood and you've endured and you've endured patiently endured with good attitude, nicely endured. Amen? And it's, it's resulted in, in this experience. It's proven character. What kind of faith would unproven faith, untested faith be? You know, God wants us to have a proven faith. Well, I, we stood there and we believed God. We stood there and believed God. We stood there and believed God. We stood there and believed God. A friend of ours came around to see us on Friday, and he sat and visited us for three hours. And we were sharing from way back when in Zim's in the youth, and, uh, you know, when we were in Bible college, and Bev was saying, yeah, I was just sharing some of the stories of God's provision, how with baby feet we went over. We knew nothing about faith. We had never trusted God for a cent before. We had, had jobs. We had grown up in our families. They weren't wealthy, but our needs were always met. Now we launched out where we are literally trusting God every single day for our next meal. We're trusting God for the Bible college fees. We're trusting God for literally everything. And we, initially, it was tough. You know, we, we prayed about things, you know. And, and eventually, it became a reflex action, just as easy as breathing. Trusting God was, um, was even an unspoken thing. It just became part of our lifestyle, part of our expectation. We now had a proven faith. For God to provide in a country where we were not known where others were on bursaries and grants and loans and being supported by their local churches, we had nothing, nothing, nothing between us and starvation. And, you know, we learned even how to spend in faith, not stupidly, but learning how to spend in faith, knowing that this is a need. Let's buy this thing because God will provide. And when we shared, and then Bev turned and said, yeah, you know, it was really amazing. And she said, and you know, we can tell you story after story after story, not only then, but in the past 30 36, 37 years. And you've got those testimonies. It's a proven faith. So if God has brought you this far, is he going to let you down? Never. Amen. So if you've come this far, you're going to go all the way. Is that good? So a proven life. Everybody say proven. Right. Proverbs 17 verse 3 says this. The crucible is for silver. The furnace is for gold. But the Lord tests the heart of the person. So in other words, the same trial that takes place for silver in the crucible and for gold in the furnace, that same purification process, God takes our heart and God is working with our hearts. Everybody say, God's working with my heart. I love what Job 23 verse 10 says, but he knows, that's God, knows the way that I take. But when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Woo! So look at the person next to you and say, man, you're looking like gold. So... You got the bling. Second thing is not only a proven life, but a pure, pure life. What do you say, pure? So look at First Peter chapter four, verse twelve. And Peter says this: For in as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. What mind must you arm yourself with? Christ suffered in the flesh. What mind must you arm yourself with? Verses 1 and 2. So you need to arm yourself with what? That in my flesh I will face trials. Same mind. Is that okay? Okay, look at the person next to you and mumble. 
through your mask. Say, did you hear that? <laughs> okay. So since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has what? Okay, let me just ask you again. The person who has suffered for the gospel has advanced in the crucifying of the flesh towards sin. Because you find that, you know, why should I, <laughs> why should I suffer so much, you know, and, uh, and get the negative consequences of sin? If you've battled through and struggled through, you start to move away from sin. Because you realize the negative consequences and the negative effects. You realize the reward of a righteous and holy life. Is that okay? Because you start to go something like this. I'll be coming around the mountain when I come. No, no, you won't. You'll be going like, you know, deja vu. I've been here before. Different face, different name, same place, same test. Okay, I, I need to pass this thing. I don't want to go through this thing anymore. And so you face the trial and you go through and go like, okay, now a different response now from me. I'm going to react different. I'm going to change what I'm doing because I don't want to keep going around and facing the same thing. I'm going to pass this test. And so when you suffer in the flesh, you're done with sin, Peter says. Is that okay? Let's look at verse 2 says. He says, because then you no longer live the rest of your life in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. Because you start responding, I'm going to do this God's way. Let me just do this God's way. Don't you get tired of blowing it? Don't you get tired of having to go and say, I'm really sorry, I really blew it. You know, isn't it better to go and just react and respond the right way and you don't have to go and apologize? Isn't it better just to respond the right way and then you don't feel bad and slack like a miserable, you know, a Christian? Isn't it better just to respond and go like, wow, that was just so much a better way of doing things? Am I making sense? So a trial, a test, results in a pure life. Without delaying, let's move on. I think that you've got the message there. One of the things that God said to the, to the people of Israel was this. In Exodus 20, verse 20, God comes down on the mountain. There's fire and smoke, and the people are so afraid. They say to Moses, we don't want to talk to God. You go and talk to God. Listen to what Moses said. Do you know the reason why he came down with the thunder and the cloud and the lightning and the smoke? Do you know why he came down there? Because he says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So you can see, wow, God is an amazing, awesome God. He's powerful. Wow. So he's saying it was a test to keep you from sinning. Let's listen to this in Deuteronomy 13, verse 3. Moses says, when you come into the promised land, there's going to be prophets there, but false prophets. So here's a, a warning uh, from your dearly beloved pastor. And there's going to be false prophets. There's going to be soothsayers. There's going to be fortune tellers there. It's going to be these people. You're going to go and try and get a word from them. I want you to understand God's going to allow them to be there. They're a test for you. 13 verse 3. He says, The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love Him with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. Is that okay? Are you going to go get flattering words or are you going to stick to the true word? The word that comes with principles and conditions. Where you're going to go and get fancy prophecies. And understand, I'm a prophet. I'm not against prophecy. You understand where I'm coming from. So one of the things that a person that has been tested, who has a proven life and a pure life, can be trusted. I think I told you this once. I was due to preach at a conference. I'd never met the other guest speaker. And we were standing together, and I was a few people away from him. 
and um, American guy, ex-Marine and all this kind of thing, strong guy. And um, so I was just standing there praying and praying for him, praying for that first session. And uh, so anyway, I just thought, well, let me go. So I just walked around and I put my arm around him. I said, bless you, brother. My name's John. It's really nice to meet you. And I said, praying, just glory and power for the session. When he stood up, he said, you don't know. But I'm very sensitive to this kind of thing. He said, when you put your arm around me and hug me, he said, I knew that your life is a tested life. So your life is a trusted life. He said, I can trust you, brother. If you've never been broken, God uses broken things. He said, you have a tested life. So you can be trusted. Awesome. Third thing, powerful life. Powerful life. So... Tested life is a powerful life. For many reasons, it's a powerful life. It's a powerful life because it's a life that can stand. It can face the heat. I love Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21 in the King James. I'm talking about the parable of the sower and the seed, the seed in the rocky ground. He said, but he that receiveth the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, with joy receiveth it. Yet... Hath he not root in himself? It endureth for a while, but when tribulation or persecution, in other words, testing arises because of the word, by and by, he's offended. In other words, it's a powerless life. If your life is not tested, it's powerless. Come on, church. We should be rejoicing in the fact that we face trials because God is making our lives powerful. We are useful to others. When we've been tested, we can identify with them. Amen. So James says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Is that okay? You've got compassion. I mean, I remember, I'm telling stories on myself, but I remember going to see a lady. She was in this church and she was really sickly, sickly unto death. And we went there, and the nurses were beside themselves with this lady. And so anyway, we went to go and see her, and I've shared this story before. And she, because of her condition in the room that she was in, she was really afraid, and she needed to know what time it was. So she kept asking the nurses for a clock. Please, could you put a clock here, because I need to see what the time is. They said, we don't have a clock. So she would keep calling them, to, to, and she would ask them, what's the time? Because she didn't know whether it was night or day. And just not having a reference point as to the time put into an extreme state of fear. And it was messing her up emotionally. And I remember going there and talking to her and getting really irritated with her. Because, no, please, Pastor John, please speak to them. I need a clock here. I need a watch. I need something. And I'm just giving her a long lecture about, you know, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah, until I was sick unto death, I needed to know the time. And suddenly I'm laying there and I'm repenting and asking God to forgive me for my impatience with that lady. And saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me because I couldn't identify. Listen, your life is much more powerful, much more effective when it's tested. And just from the fact of walking in righteousness, godliness has an inherent power in itself. I'll give you one verse. And one example is when Jesus said to the disciples, come. The prince of this world is coming now, talking about Judas and, and everyone to come and arrest him. He said, but be not afraid. He has no hold on me. 
because of my inherent righteousness, he can't touch me, he can do nothing. Come on, say holiness is powerful. All right, so it's a productive life, and, uh, and then we're going to just finish with this. Productive life, because you're not wasting time in anxiety and stress and old wounds. You're not being sidetracked by sin and by temptation. It's powerful. We can waste so much time. I don't know if you've ever got disappointed in yourself because you come into a situation and, and attitudes and actions and reactions and insecurities that you think you've dealt with. You know, now you're in a slightly tougher trial, and a lot of that stuff just comes up again. And you think, where did this come from? I thought I'd conquered this anger. I thought I'd conquered this fear. I thought I'd have victory over this kind of reaction. And suddenly you find yourself acting or reacting as if you had never been born again. <laughs> I know that's not true of any of you, but it has happened to me 50 years ago. No. But it's happened to me, you know, when, when something happens and then you react and then you go like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? Oh, and you shock yourself. See, a, a tested life is more productive because you're not wasting your time on all that negative mental and emotional energy and just having to almost go back to the beginning. I'm sorry, Lord. And then you're introspecting and you're trying to get right and you're trying to sort your life out. And, you know, we need to respond in a series of trials positively and build ourselves up when we become much more productive. Amen. In John chapter 6, when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000. So he turns to Philip. Now, Philip is the one always with the bright ideas. Him and Andrew are always, well, let's take it to Jesus. Well, come, let me just introduce you to Jesus. You know, every time you read it, let's take you to Jesus. They always knew the answer was Jesus. But on this particular occasion, I think it's because Philip is looking at 5,000 people and Jesus says, go and buy them lunch. Where are we going to get lunch from? And it's really interesting that John records this, and I want to read it in the NIV. In the NIV, John chapter 6, verse 6 says, He asked this only to test Philip, for he really had in mind what he was going to do. I don't know if you've ever had God ask you to do something difficult, and you're complaining to God. He already knows what he's going to do. I want you to go and do this. Oh, with God. Well, he really knows the miracle's going to happen. Let's just cooperate with him. I love what the Message Bible says. It says, he said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. So productive life. Man, if we will just follow God and respond to him in the correct way, our lives will have much more effect. And of course, as you know, they fed the 5,000. Last one, and I'm not going to go into it, but it's a praised life. A tested life is a praised life. Others will praise God for you. I was so blessed with Brian and Louise yesterday. I, I, somebody contacted me from England. They know somebody in Brackpan who's just had, and he's a young guy, who's had an operation on his neck or throat for cancer. And as a result of having to go for the treatment and the operation, he lost his job. So he's possibly facing eviction from his accommodation. He has no food, and he said, please, is there any way you can help? Gave me the address. I did contact Pastor Rudy Kutzen, and I said, he's living right close to you, but Pastor Rudy said, well, we're in quarantine. We're not going to be able to get there for a week. So I managed to contact the guy, and he, not a scammer, not anything. He said, I'm okay. I've got four slices of bread. It's going to last me to tomorrow. And I, this the compassion hit me, you know. So I phoned Brian because Brian is from Brackpan. That's where he lives. And I said, are you willing and are you able to stop past this man's house? And, and I just want you to get some food to him and then I will refund you. 
He said, no, no problem. He said, I'll speak to Louise. We'll go together. And he said, but I think I'm going to encourage him and pray for him. I said, Pastor Brian, that's really awesome. Pastor Brian, that's brilliant. So anyway, before Brian contacts me back, this guy sends me a WhatsApp. He goes, like, what amazing young people. So they came. They encouraged me so much. They prayed for me or whatever. Because first thing Brian says, I want to make sure he's a Christian. Good place. Good opportunity. Is that okay? And he says, and then we'll pray for him. So, so they ministered to him, and then they blessed him. And the guy, he was blown. He's beside himself. We don't even know him. Amen. And that life, that life is a praised life. Okay. Because his life has been tested and he's come through. Jacob was praised. You know, Joseph was praised. And others will praise God for you. But I want you to know you will get praise from God. Okay? Because he's the one at the end of the day whose praise we really do want. Awesome. Now, I'm going to close with this verse. And then I'm going to tell you where it is. I promise you it is in the New Testament. One of the ways that you can avoid tests... One of the ways you can avoid being tested positive or tested negative is by self-examination. What symptoms do you have when it comes to difficulty? So this is what one great writer of the Bible said. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. When we go through things, we need to do healthy, godly, righteous, self-introspection, self-testing. Why am I reacting like this? Why am I behaving like this? Why am I doing this? Why am I not? God, what is it? What default you know, setting is there. Why do I blow it like this? Why do I do this? And change, examine yourself. So come on, everybody, let's continue testing positive. I'm going to pray for all of those watching live stream that you won't succumb, that you won't slip into negativity. We've got to see that a lot of the stuff that we're going through and facing, obviously not of God, but surely God uses it to help us to determine where we are at right now in this particular thing. Are we in faith? Because if it's not COVID-19, something else will happen. Something else will come up. The tests will come in this world. If you look at David, when God anointed him through the prophet Samuel, all hell broke loose against him. He was rejected. He was hunted down. He was persecuted. But this is the anointed of God. He suffered separation. And uh, even his wife ridiculed him. And eventually his wife was taken away from him. He was pursued. He was hounded. And, and whatever it was, after that anointing ceremony, after that powerful prophetic word, after the Spirit of God came on him, everything went in the opposite direction. What was God doing? Testing the heart of a king to be a king. Amen. And he passed every test. He still would not touch or put his hand out again to strike the Lord's anointed, though he was evil. He passed the test. And that's why Jesus is known as the son of David, king in his place. Amen. Let's just raise our hands and say, I'm passing the tests. Amen. Come on, let's just raise our hands. Hallelujah. Say, I'm passing the tests. I'm going to come through like refined, purified gold. Say, say my faith is going to come out more precious going to come out stronger. I'm going to be more equipped, 
more useful. Come on, say it. I'm going to be powerful. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to have a proven life. It's going to be effective in helping and ministering to others in the name of the Lord Jesus. And my life will be a praised life. People will speak well because I am part of the alternate society. So God, I want to thank you for the judgment that's at my house, for the trial that is at my house during this, this pandemic. Thank you that's because you want to separate me from the world to be uniquely different so that the world can see who the children of God are. And I'm one of them. In Jesus' name. We all agreed, said, Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord strengthen you. The Lord just infuse you with His peace that guards your heart, soul, and mind. May the joy of your salvation in Christ Jesus fill you and refresh you. May the love of God that is beyond knowing and comprehension with the human mind, may you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to receive the incredible love of God by revelation. May the provision of God, His protection, may His health be your portion in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that no depression, no heaviness of heart, no lethargy, spiritual otherwise, affect you. May He envision your heart, your eyes, your eyesight spiritually to see beyond what is going on right now, to see what He has ahead for you, to give you hope, to give you that energy, that zeal of God, that compassion and passion that keeps you moving. May your life be a blessing to countless others. May others look at you and anchor the ship of their lives onto the pillar, the rock, the stable point that you are. May your life shine like the lighthouse, like a beacon. And may they be directed towards you and come and find hope and find strength in you as you point them to the author and the finisher of your faith. And may you lead people to Jesus like the wise, shining brightly as stars in the universe. Because you are the light of the world, the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. You are the salt of the earth. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You are ambassadors of Christ. He's given you the ministry of reconciliation. And you're bringing others to be reconciled to God. May that ambassadorship, may that authority rest upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus. May your countenance be lifted up always. May your heart not be downcast. May it be lifted up. May a smile be on your face because of the sure knowledge inside of you in whose hand you are. Who has surrounded you? Who has embraced you? Whose everlasting arms are under you? Who's going before you? Who is your rear God, the glory over your life, the pillar of cloud and the fire by night? May He bless you in all ways, in Jesus' name. We all agreed and said, the Lord bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Amen. And the Lord be gracious to all of us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.